I mean, I shouldn't say this as a manager, but doesn't this whole thing just make it feel that productivity can go to hell? Like the concept of productivity is just shot after this. I don't feel that we can go back and be like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to really plan my way through this situation ever again. It just I keep meeting with people and they're like, I've never been so productive. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I just like, just lie to me. Hey everybody, this week's episode is brought to you by Couchbase. Couchbase is an open source, NoSQL document and key value store database. It requires no external cache, supports SQL and analytic queries for JSON data, and Couchbase supports technologies like Kubernetes, Java, .NET, JavaScript, Go, and Python. Download it today at couchbase.com slash stackoverflow and let them know we sent you. Hey, everybody. This is Ben Popper. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast. I'm here with my lovely co-hosts, Paul and Sarah. Hey! Hey, Ben. How's it going? Pretty good. Just having some breakfast. How about you? Good. I'm having a great breakfast right now. Peanut butter and gluten-free bread. Mm. I think I fixed my audio. We're going to let the listeners tell us. No, you sound good. You sound good. So let's pick things up where we left off and chat a little bit about COBOL. There is a big crunch in a lot of states. Their unemployment systems run on this very... Uh, it's a great language. language. Love it's it. It's really yeah. verbose. It's very easy to read. I found somebody made a an implementation of Lisp in COBOL. That was exciting. I'm just seeing really great stuff happening. I'm doing in the a COBOL, COBOL boot camp in the fall. Boot camp. Well, it, it wouldn't be a boot camp as much as like a big, like it would, it would have some really long name, like <laughs> COBOL Education Seminar Begin. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, what I'm loving is all the news coverage means they are going to the archive and pulling out all these gorgeous vintage photos of programmers from the 50s and 60s sitting in front of IBM mainframes, getting hard to work on their COBOL programs. Quite the aesthetic, in my opinion. Can we just pause for a second and say that that was a very good look? Like the short sleeve shirt and tie NASA engineer... That was yeah. a nice moment. And and I wish that like dudes don't really have that option anymore. But that was like that. They should bring that back. Mm-hmm. Someone should. I, there's a lot of people that think they have that option. I don't I don't know that they, everyone knows. No, but like that, that short sleeve button shirt with the tie and like the pocket protector as like freaking like that was virtuous. That looked good. Yeah, you still got that option, Paul. You can bust it out. I mean, better than t-shirt and the hoodie, right? Silicon Valley chic, Mm -hmm. not what it used to be. All right. uh, We've got a great guest this week, Sarah. I'm going to let you introduce. I got to hop off so the three of you will continue it from here. Have a great week. Great. Well, I'm really excited about our guest today. I've been watching her videos for a long time and been a huge fan. And so I'd like to welcome Analytical. Analytical, thank you for joining us today at the Stack Overflow podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Let's get podcasting. <laughs> so so for people who, unlike Sarah, haven't been fans for a long time, what would I see if I, I went and looked at your channel? So I'm self-describing myself as the coding drag queen, and I produce sickeningly entertaining and educational coding tutorials in drag. And I try to just make them as a way for people to find some kind of way to represent themselves with code or with different coding projects. Great. Okay. So what would a typical video be like? Sure. So one of my more recent videos, 
I created, there were all these like Instagram filters that were coming out where you could, it would kind of pop something up above your head and it would say, which one of these things are you? And I decided that'd be a fun thing to make a tutorial out of. So I kind of read through them some of the documentation, learned how to make them and walk people through how to do that. And I used, I don't know if any of either of you are stands of the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen. Yeah, I'm not a stand, but I am aware of the Bon Appetit stand community. Yeah. It's so, one of those communities that you look at and you're like, boy, if 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 I was gonna be into a cooking community, that's clearly the one, right? <laughs> yeah. So love love the cooking community. Who's the woman with the streak in her hair? That's Claire. Yeah, all right. Like she is clearly a superstar, and I have never seen her say a word out loud in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so icon and I made kind of a, like, which Claire episode would you die for? And it would just rotate through different episodes and you could choose. But I like to provide a way that someone following along can do it all at home too. So I make sure if you don't know how to code at all, you can kind of start from the beginning. You'll learn maybe one or two coding concepts, but I provide you with code to start with. So like, you can kind of just copy and paste my project and then paste in your own images and paste in your own text and then you're able to see, oh, that's not so hard. I can change a little bit of code and get something that like really excites me. And I had a few people make Instagram filters. I think there was one person who made it for like one of their sports teams. And they were like, which player are you? Someone made it for like a TV show they produce. So it was cool to get to see people take this thing and turn it into a way that gets them excited about code and turns it into something that's related to them. That's great. I noticed that you did one using the HTML curriculum at Free Code Camp. We've been using that at Stack Overflow as a way to get people started that aren't coders. How did you find the Free Code Camp curriculum? When I was first starting my channel, I really wanted to do like an overview. I wanted to look at like what's out there already. And that way, like, even if I can't produce a ton of content, I can still recommend people to other places that I think are good. So Free Code Camp was something that came up a lot. And I tried some of it out, but then didn't really stick with it. So in this quarantine era, I thought, what a good way <laughs> to kind of re-engage with just some of this like basic coding content and just walk through it myself. So I'm, I did a live stream, I guess, last weekend doing the HTML one. I thought it was like, I really like having a structure to like walk through that kind of explains a little bit along the way. So I thought that was really good. And I think I'm going to keep going through them because... It's like, sure, you can go and do it on your own, but if you can follow along while like a fun drag queen is doing it, that just like might make it a little bit easier to like digest. And I try to kind of incorporate knowledge I have that's like, oh, this thing's actually going to be really useful later on. So like, this is a good thing to learn. Or like, they wrote a lot here. Like, let me say it in like 10 words rather than like having you have to read a whole paragraph. There's just so many different ways people want to learn. And it's like, I'm combining like, me on video, uh, reading it aloud. People have access to all the curriculum and they want to follow along and type it themselves. Anna, everything you're saying is about getting people in, right? And reducing that friction, making yourself familiar, making them feel safe. And so, you know, when I hear that and I'm listening to you talk about new coders coming in, what I hear is they are afraid. They are nervous about this new world and that there are gaps between what they'd like to do and what they think is possible. So what are the big fears that you're you're seeing with people who are coming to these channels and what are you trying to help them with? 
So I first created my channel because I was seeing this gaffe in diversity in tech, specifically with LGBTQ people and like young LGBTQ people. I think there's just like a very little media representation of uh, people in my community coding and engaging with code and technology and being math averse and like having that kind of be like a funny thing like, oh, gay people can't do math. And that's not something mm-hmm. other people would say to us. It's like people in the gay community would be saying to each other. And it's like, what? This doesn't make any sense. So I wanted to reach out to like LGBTQ people, women, and kind of anyone who kind of engaged in maybe the beauty space or was just interested in drag or just kind of anyone who looked at me and thought, okay, that might be something I'm interested in. And as like when I was growing up, I didn't really see people that I could connect to or interesting projects that I was like, oh, that's my first step into coding. So I want to give people like that a first step into coding to see, oh, this is an interesting project I can do. And this is an easy, interesting project I can do that is going to incorporate things about themselves and and let people feel empowered on their first project. So there's all this signal out there that this isn't for you. This is for dudes who really like are into creating startups and they and it, you've seen Silicon Valley and this isn't about you. How about something light that actually looks like and reflects you, but also incorporates math and science and computer science and sort of gets people in that door. It's starting to make sense to me. Sarah, what do you get out of these? Cause you're a pretty experienced programmer. Yeah. Well, what I get out of them is exactly what you're saying, right? I feel like the world of beauty and fun, it's very, I mean, coding tutorials are always so dry, you know, it's always mm-hmm. like, here's what you do and you click this thing. And Well, it's a virtue, it's a virtue, right? Like that's yeah. supposed to be, you know, oh, it's, it's very sort of already pre-cooked for you. Yeah. And yeah. here's the best practice and, you know, do this and you'll learn Java and get a job. Yeah, but I love seeing someone that cares about a lot of the same things that I do also getting into coding. I follow a lot of beauty bloggers. I watch beauty TikToks all the time. And and it just feels very separate to me all the time. And just for there to be a bit of an overlap, I think that's so cool. It's really neat to see. Yeah, and it's like, I love following these beauty gurus. And it's like, okay, we get it. You, you're doing a smoky eye again. You're doing a cut crease. Like, we all know how to do this at this point. It's like, we're not watching because we want to learn at this point. We're mm. watching because we're entertained. Mm. Yeah. And oh, that's what's interesting point. about tech is there is so much you can learn, but it's like, why can't we also bring all that fun energy into it? And another thing with these beauty gurus, a lot of them, they're kind of very young. They become stars very quickly. And some of them send the wrong message about education to their audience. And that was something I was hearing around the time I started my channel. And it's like, no, I want to show you, you can do beauty, you can do makeup, you can do drag and all this glamour and still have an amazing career that lets you think about interesting problems and lets you work on interesting projects. And even like there are so many ways you can bring all those amazing things about yourself, all those things about beauty that you love and bring them into tech. That's great. So you have a day job as well, don't you? Yes, I work at Google and managing Google and drag tutorials. And I mean, I do all of this from my like 350 square foot studio apartment. So how has that uh, been during this time? 350 where are, square where feet? are you yeah. in the world? 
So I'm also in New York City. I'm in um, the village. And I mean, for my day job, I'm very lucky in that I'm very easily able to work remote. I work in developer relations. So all my code is on GitHub. I don't have to deal with a lot of the internal processes. It's like all on my laptop. I'm not SSHing into like a corporate machine or having to remote desktop. So the transition in terms of working in the office versus working at home has been really seamless in terms of can I get things done? Having like the mental stamina to focus and think about hard problems and interesting things is that's another story, but at least I can kind of have one layer removed from that aspect. How are you finding the transition between like, you've got your day job and then you have a community that you've built as analytical as as an educator online. And I'm assuming you had like a little bit of commute or space where you could go from one to the other before. What's it like when you're at home and, and sort of need to be both people, the worker and the teacher? Wow, that's a great question. I think being in a small apartment forces me to kind of just transform the space constantly. I set up my apartment in a way where it's kind of like a workstation because I have my bed. I don't have a couch. I built this like kind of diner style booth almost. It's like in an L and got a giant table rather than getting a couch. And it's enabled me to do a lot of different projects at the table. And I just have to kind of clean up after each one is done or I'll go insane. So I have a sewing machine. I like store it in the booth so I can work on different sewing projects. I've actually been sewing a few masks for myself and my boyfriend. Um, Yay. Oh, that's a nice one. That's good. Um, I have. Sorry, for, for the people at home, <laughs> Anna just held up a very lovely mask with a floral print. Floral print. I think I have it on my Twitter at the analytical. I posted it. They're not for sale because I only have so much. No, no, no. Time we're, we're, we're all doing the best out. we can. <laughs> um, then I have like wigs that I love to style. So like I'll put it, I'll clear everything out. I'll put a towel on the table, hairspray everything, comb everything out. And then for my coding, I have my laptop on a shoebox. I have my mouse. My mouse pad is a sewing pattern. I've I've ordered some upgrades. So it's kind of like the table is where I work and I just rotated through the different use cases. So your your pandemic is a set of different like rituals that allow you and, and activities at one table that let you transition from mental state to mental state. Yeah, I feel like I should like sit at different areas of the table when I do a lot of this stuff. (laughs) At least for sewing, I rotate around. See, I desperately miss my commute. That was my cognitive, like, reboot. It was home and kids, bus, work, and then bus, home. And in in that bus time, I could do whatever the hell I wanted. That was my time. I go for walks every day. I order dumbbells very early on. So smart. I'm sure they're out now. They're very out right now. (laughs) So like I've been able to maintain a good amount of sanity, which is good for me to like step back and acknowledge. But it's also good to acknowledge like, how can I be at 100%? Like, how can anyone be at 100% productivity at this time? How can anyone be at 100% productivity where they can't have those mental models of the space changes. I've listened to like a few podcasts where they're talking about the psychology about all of that and the psychology of accepting that like these are scary times. And then once you've accepted it, you can kind of start looking at some of the good parts. 
That's what I keep hearing from people is this is like, I have all I need to do my work in front of me. Like I have my laptop, but I know what's in front of me, but it's just so hard to bring myself to do it for some reason. And I just keep hearing that from folks. I think it's possible to be really, really busy right now. Like I'm very busy, but that deep thinking that actually moves things forward is not accessible in the way that it used to be. Yeah, I'm definitely finding that with work and with these videos that I produce. It's like I'm being in DevRel. It's like a lot of my work is self-motivated. So I'm spending a lot of time learning about like Hadoop and HFace right now. And it's like, that's like mentally taxing. And, And then trying to figure out how can I make interesting content? So that's one of the reasons I went to Free Code Camp because they've got a great structure. I have a lot of knowledge about web development. So like, why not use an existing curriculum and make it a little fun, bring something of myself to that. That's great. Bringing some of yourself to Hadoop is... is oh, a, is I've a, got... So, <laughs> go with God. So I work <laughs> on Cloud Big Table on GCP. That's kind of the project wow. I focus on for work. And in like a week and a half or so, or maybe two weeks, it's depending on how much work I can get done, I found kind of a fun way to take like our data monitoring tools and draw pictures in them. And Mm. that's such like a fun way that I found like almost like a work and drag crossover. It's like putting like the Mona Lisa in a database monitoring tool is so funny and so campy. (laughs) So I'm going to like, that's been like a really fun project for me where I'm like, oh, this is like really relevant to work, really like fun and interesting output. And it's like, hard technologies that are being used in a way that isn't expected, but still teaches you about them. I'm like, okay, I've learned so much from creating these drag tutorials that I'm able to bring into my work. And I can also bring my work into the drag. And it's nice to have like the back and forth between those and learning like from my different ego, alter egos. That's great. So you have almost 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. You have a ton of people watching your videos, a lot of really great content. It seems like you have a great community. One thing that we spoke about, though, is that there's been times where your videos have gotten pushback from the community. What kind of stuff have you experienced and seen? Well, I think it was, I think we were talking actually about this tweet of mine, which was so ridiculous. I mean, a lot of, a lot of painful stories start this way. <laughs> I, we, we've all been there. So I think I saw some tweet about like sewing and... It was like, people don't realize that sewing is actually 30% cutting your patterns, 30% like doing basting stitches, 9% seam ripping out. And then I was like, okay, I'll just copy this template, throw code related things in there. Like people don't realize coding is actually 30% getting coffee with your coworkers, 30% copying and pasting code, 9% finding that missing missing semicolon. Like such a stupid tweet. It's like... (laughs) It's like if if all all of my tweets, like for that one to do well, lowest common denominator. And someone commented something on Instagram that was saying like, I would fire this person if they were on my team. They're just copying and pasting all their code. And for this, like copying and pasting your code, like we know this is like how people get stuff done. This is like a common thing. We work at Stack Overflow. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Anna, you're talking. You're on the Stack podcast here. <laughs> yes. you, you know, this is the copy and pasting. Yeah, the copy and pasting. This is the where people copy Capital and paste from. of the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I came back a little strong with this person because 
I kind of just felt they were being a little misogynistic. I thought it's like a lot of people can make this joke, but they were like, I would, I think maybe something they said made me feel like they're saying this because it's someone named Anna saying this versus Mm. someone maybe like, I don't know, Chad saying it. Chad. And... Paul, you can do it. I'm Paul. here. I run a software company. It's, it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Paul. Mm-hmm. And then they posted it to this like women hating subreddit. And oh no. Uh, well, there you go. It's like if you're posting something to a women hating subreddit, it's like your comment was probably misogynistic. Yeah, the fact that you have like a login and you know, this, you know well, how to a, get there. It's like, you your know, it's like, oh, what a, it was like a niche women hating subreddit. So, like, Okay. That's true. As opposed to the 80% of subreddits that are women hating. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like I subscribe to like perfect loops, like <laughs> TikTok cringe. Yeah. And politics. <laughs> and there were just all these people who were taking this as an opportunity to share stories about like women they'd worked with. They were saying like, well, this woman I worked with like was a horrible engineer, blah, blah, blah. And it's like. Uh, this happens on on Hacker News too. And then people are taking the other angle. They're like, Anna, that's not even a woman. And I'm like, I'm not even saying I'm a woman. I'm a drag queen. And I can be whatever I want in terms of this drag space. So I was just like, okay, I've had it. And why not make a tutorial where I only copy and paste code and can make like a fun website? (laughs) Um, So I did that. And it was like, that's the perfect kind of clap back. It's like, oh, I know what I'm doing. Here's how you smartly copy and paste code. I built a, I think it was like a little code pen that checked like which day of the week it was and instead of like RuPaul's Drag Race was on. So it was able to even build something kind of relevant to me and relevant to drag, something like I'm excited about. And it's just kind of like, it's frustrating to see those kind of explicit attacks against women. I'm a cis man most of the time. So... If I can use my privilege to kind of clap back, defend, and stand up for people that I want in my coding community and I want to be working with, it's like, that's something I got to do. That makes sense. I think that's one of the hard parts of being a public figure and and especially online because I've been there where you have the that sinking feeling in your stomach because you've clicked on something and you see all these people saying bad things about you. And you're like, have they ever met me? I'm just, I'm so nice. I'm so like, why, why are people interpreting me this way? It's really hard to see that. And especially I remember clicking on that thread and just seeing the vitriol and being like, oh, I remember this happened. This is really rough. I think my privilege in this instance allows me to, kind of not feel as attacked by those comments because it's like, I'm not a woman. So they're not talking about me. And I want to say, okay, I'm not one of these people you're talking about. You are wrong. You can just see, like, our platforms are such a mess because you're essentially doing something to to educate people and sort of engage in frolic, like, in a really productive way. And at any point, that can turn into a giant vengeful hate mob who seek to punish and hurt. And it's just like, that is not your responsibility. It should never be your responsibility. Somebody else, like the people who are making literal billions of dollars from the giant platforms should take responsibility for this. And they never will. And it just kind of sucks. I've been watching it happen over 20 years. Like you can't, nobody wants to own it. 
And they want the profits at the same time. And so it's just, it's, it's awful to be caught in the middle of it. But I'm glad, you could also say by cutting and pasting, you were doing some nice prototype-based object-oriented programming. <laughs> and that yeah. is, you know, you were, you were pushing the state of the art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like a final note on all of this, as someone who works in developer relations, one of my jobs is to write so many of the code samples and replies on Stack Overflow that people copy and paste. So of all people, <laughs> I'm, I'm someone who copy and pastes code very little almost because I'm starting from nothing. <laughs> I was like, you must be, you must have reached out to me to have me on the podcast because I'm a top 13% contributor to Stack Overflow <laughs> this year. It's like, I was like, that's, they know I've been answering a lot of questions. They want me on the pod. <laughs> We do, yeah. <laughs> Can you help us understand the developer relations job? Maybe Sarah knows it better than I do, but I'm, it, it seems to be different things at different places. So kind of what, what do you do all day, I guess, is the foundational question. Yeah, it really can vary for a lot of people. I think what it boils down to is get empathy for whoever's trying to use your code, use your products, and figure out what their pain points are and come up with solutions to that. So in my specific role, the solutions I am supposed to be centered around are code tutorials or product tutorials and code samples. And sometimes that can veer into a blog post or writing documentation. But I think the most of it kind of comes down to like code samples, sample applications and tutorials. On the behalf of the whole community, thank you for that. I think I can't get through no matter I, I mean, like even stuff I've been building for years it's those tutorials that get me to the other side often, plus Stack Overflow. It's great because it's like, I get to spend most of my day learning new things and talking to the experts on those things. So like, I get to ask really good questions to like the people that created it or the people, like the entire team that's working on something. So like, I'm so lucky. <laughs> that's great. Can I ask you an impossible question and, and take a minute? How, um, no. what... Uh, well, to hell with it. No, I think you'll enjoy this question. <laughs> How does one professionally develop empathy? Ooh. I think I developed my empathy. And, you know, I can speak to myself. And maybe this can help someone figure it out for themselves. I developed my empathy by, like, not being a very good engineer. Like, being frustrated at, like, bad documentation and giving up a lot of times like if i wanted to learn how to like make an iphone app that was like so confusing a lot of years ago and you had to learn objective c you had to learn all these like new tools and it's like well if i'm 16 like i don't want to read through like 100 pages of documentation to learn something no i was there um, with you when you have to draw that little line from one thing to the other thing in that in in xcode i'm like what the hell is happening right <laughs> it's merciless yeah, and like finding so many friction points. Growing up, I was always really good at math and science, but never really engaged with computer science that much. So coming into it, having the skills in quotes that are supposedly helpful for learning to code, they helped me understand the logic of things. But like the algorithm, that's like a different level than like, can you start up a server and like disable the firewalls correctly? and have it talk to this other thing. It's like, if there are so many things going around, it's like, I was just so frustrated. And that, like what I mentioned, like I'm learning Hadoop and HBase right now, which are kind of the open source equivalents of the product I work on at Google. 
It's like, this is something I should kind of know. And it's like, I read it through so many tutorials. I have to set up like five configuration files that are different across different tutorials. The ports are constantly changing. And what a pain. I just want, I want it to be clear. I want there to be like a well-defined goal. I want there to be steps that are like, consistent to follow and a date on your tutorial is very helpful to know how out of date it is. So those are things that helped me develop my empathy. I think one thing that also helped I, in college, I took a technical writing class and learning how to communicate technical things in a clear way was really educational. Learning that you don't have to write like an entire piece of documentation for something to have that be the clear way to learn. Maybe like a sample application, that's all you need and it can speak for itself. If like the code is up to date, if it's constantly has like integrations tests running on it constantly, like maybe that's that's what you can use as your tutorial. It's like, why write an essay when like a graph could like do the entire thing? That's great. I mean, it feels to me that that part of your day job and then the it, it almost feels reductive to call the the YouTube work uh, a side project, but the other project in your life of teaching and educating is really an extension of that, right? Where you're trying to get more people in at a probably a, a simpler and earlier level, and and then the empathy extends not just to the developer, but kind of to the individual and where they are in terms of their own identity and their own place in the world. So it feels like a continuum. Yeah, it's definitely a continuum, and. It's kind of mirror, mirroring life right now. It's like, it's all happening in the same space. I mean, it's all hap- it's all been happening in the same body, in the same brain. Like, it's, Billy and Anna are sharing a lot of, a lot of resources here. So, two lifeboats. Shout out to Nina Schultz, who uh, got the lifeboat for JavaScript loop until condition is met. I mean, that, could, that question could really mean anything. So, good job, Nina. And shout out to Mailer Damon, who got a lifeboat for how to select the best set of parameters in canny edge detection algorithm implemented in OpenCV. So shout out to those two. Good lifeboating. Good lifeboating. Sarah, you commanded that. That was good. Great. Can I ask, what are the lifeboats? I was listening to an episode of this podcast (laughs) and was like, what are these? Yeah, lifeboats are badges where people bring questions that have kind of died back to life things that didn't get answered maybe sometimes years ago and they get an answer and then they get resolved we should get a theme song for that yeah or like that is a good point maybe it's nearer my god to thee which is what they were playing on the titanic (laughs) when the when it went down and into the lifeboats i don't know that might be a little bit too inside anyway (laughs) let's say who we are Anna could you tell people how to contact you and where to go to find you online your videos yeah sure so I am analytical the sickeningly entertaining and educational coding queen and you can find my video tutorials at youtube.com slash analytical and that's two n's in Anna A-N-N-A and you can also find me on Twitter at The Analytical. Great. And I'm Sarah Chips. You can find me on Twitter at, at SarahJChips.com. I am the director of community here at Stack Overflow. I'm Paul Ford. You can find me at FTrain on Twitter. I'm the co-founder of a software development firm called Postlight. You can check us out online. And our noble producer, Ben Popper, had to step out, but he's at Ben Popper on Twitter. And we always want to hear from you. Get in touch. <laughs> <laughs>